You're listening to a Cripple and Co. production. Hey there, Disability After Dark listeners, Andrew here. I'm coming at you with a titillating reminder that pre-sales for the world's first disability-driven sex toy, the Bump and Joystick, are open right now. You can go to www.getbumpin.com. That's www.getbumpin.com. And you can pre-order your very own Bump and Joystick right now. Or you can get a gift card for that deliciously disabled person in your life right now. Do it now. Go get it and be part of this amazing new innovation in sex tech. Thanks, friends. Hey, Andrew, how are you? Hey, Kristen. I'm okay, but if I'm really honest, I haven't been doing super great lately. I'm kind of super, really, really down. Oh, no. I'm sorry to hear that. What well, you and I talk all the time. We talk every day. And you know I've been thinking about going to therapy, but I've been to mm-hmm. therapists before, and I'm afraid that a therapist wouldn't understand all my disability stuff. And you know how much I love talking about disability, right? Yeah, I hear you have, like, a whole podcast about it. Right? I mean, yeah. I talk about it all the time, everywhere. And I'm just yeah. worried that I don't want to explain to a therapist, like, what is ableism? What is disability? Like, I don't want to do that before we get into my stuff, you know? Yeah, that's fair. You shouldn't have to, like, fully educate a therapist before starting a therapeutic process. And I think that's really hard because, honestly, you deserve support from someone who gets it. You get it. You're my best, you, like, you're my best friend. You get it. What do you think I should do? I mean, I think you should find a disability-informed support person to help you work through this. If anyone listening to this is interested, I'm actually offering disability-informed support for $40 per session. Whoa, whoa, $40 a session? That's super cheap. The last time I checked, one session was like over 100 bucks. But we can still talk about disability stuff, right? Oh, absolutely. Like everything from like physical changes in your body to ableism and exploring internalized ableism, grief that comes with disability, chronic pain, all that good, terrible stuff that so many of us live experience. It's so fun, isn't it? It's like so it's great. It's the best, yes. And I, I know you also do, you also offer support for non-disabled people too, right? Yeah, I do support for able-bodied and non-disabled people as well because really, I mean, Everyone gets sick or experiences illness or vulnerability at some time in their life. And while that's a different experience than living with chronic disability, I think it's all very related. And if you're going through any sort of life change where you're having grief related to bodily change or body difference, I'm more than happy to support you with that as well. I think everybody deserves and needs affordable support. I think that it's such a great thing you're offering. and I want to make sure that all the lovely listeners of Disability After Dark can reach you. How do they do that? Okay, well, right now they can reach me by email. It's Kristen, K-R-I-S-T-E-N, dot Williams, W-I-L-L-I-A-M-S, one zero at gmail.com. And you can email me there to ask me questions or uh, let me know if you'd like more information, or you can go straight to booking a support session with me. Awesome. Well, I, I can't... I can't speak any more highly of this amazing thing. I'm so excited that there's finally disability-centered support for 
stuff like ableism and for stuff like internalized ableism and all the stuff that we go through that we never get to talk about and thank you so much for offering it and for putting yourself out there Kristen. oh thanks andrew i hope you feel better soon me too thanks bye bye This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Come As You Are. Come As You Are is Canada's only worker-owned co-op sex shop. Trans-owned and operated, Come As You Are carefully reviews and curates their selection of sex toys, books, and DVDs. Now you can get 15% off your next purchase at comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Clonawilly.com. Clonawilly and Clonopussy are do-it-yourself molding kits that allow anyone to make an exact replica of any penis or vulva into a sex toy at home. All materials are ethically sourced and 100% body safe. If you shop at Clonawilly.com right now and use the promo code DARKPOD at checkout, you can get 20% off site-wide. Wow, that's a deal that cannot be cloned. I talked to one of the representatives the other day, and they are more than willing to answer any questions you have about how to make your own clone willy or clone pussy, how to use the kit. They're so, so willing to go on this journey of cloning a willy or cloning a pussy with you, and they're super nice and super responsive to any concerns. So if you want to pick up your own clone willy or clone a pussy kit right now, head over to clonawilly.com and use promo code DARKPOD, that's D-A-R-K-P-O-D at checkout right now. And remember, this is a deal that cannot be cloned. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. This is a podcast that looks at disability stories. It's like sitting down with a really close friend to have a real conversation about disability, sexuality, and everything else about the disability experience that we don't talk about. The things about being disabled, we keep in the dark. Here is your deliciously disabled host, disability awareness consultant, Andrew Gerza. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to the show, friends. And thank you so much for clicking on this brand new episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability stories. I'm, of course, your deliciously disabled daddy host, Andrew Gerza. Let's get comfy, cozy, and crippled and get this show started, shall we? First things first, I want to say that I have received some of the most amazing submissions for This Shit Is Real, the new series that I'm starting on this podcast at some point that I'll be starting on this podcast, all about talking about disability and gastrointestinal stuff. People are really excited to talk about this, so please keep them coming. Write us in to disabilityafterdarkpod at gmail.com and type in this shit is real in the subject line and tell me all about your experiences with gastro stuff because I know I live with gastro stuff myself and it can be a real bitch and I think we need to talk about that experience more how it affects us emotionally how it affects us physically how it affects us in our sex lives 
we need to talk about all this stuff. So I would love to to have you on my new series, This Shit Is Real, coming at some point to the pod, and it'll go out every Thursday. See what I did there? I'm not sure when it'll be produced, but I would love for you to keep sending in the submissions, and we will figure out to when to have you on the show and when to record. I'm so excited about this. It's so, so important. So keep those submissions coming. Just want to do a quick shout-out to our Patreon supporters. I got a new Patreon supporter this month, uh, which I want to share with you. Their name is... Their name is NDO, is all they gave me. NDO. So I, I will say... NDO, my goodness, thank you so much for your pledge. They pledged eleven seventy nine per year for the show. Thank you so much. I love that we have the yearly amounts because if they work for your budget, that's awesome. Thank you so much for your pledge, NDO, and you certainly make my day. And you also sent me a nice little email that was like, thank you so much for doing the show, and I really appreciate that you got something out of that. We also have another another Patreon pledger, uh, Brina Coonan, who pledged $10 per year. Thank you so much for your pledge. I really appreciate it. Brina Coonan, you are the coolest. I love your name. Um, I never said these puns would be good, but thank you so much, Brina, for your pledge. If you're out there and you're listening and you're able to support this show, please go to patreon.com slash disability after dark and pledge as little as one dollar a month or up to five dollars a month or more if that works for your budget um and, and yearly amounts like we just said and i will give you a weird awkward shout out what ndo and brina will be getting for their pledge is the show one day before the feed on saturday they'll get the show one day early completely ad free no ads at all just straight into the great content and thank you so much for your pledge. And if you want to pledge, that's great. Another way you can support the show is, of course, by going to wherever you're listening right now and leaving us a five-star review because it really does help to tell the people that shows like this are out there. And I think this is only one of the shows that really consistently talks about disability every week. And I would love for more people to hear about the show and to support the show if they can. So please, leave us a review. It would mean so much to me. Also, if you're looking for at space on the program you can also email me at the disability after dark pod at gmail.com and if you want me to run an ad for a couple months on your show we can negotiate doing that as well so if you're looking to promote your disability related stuff i would love to support you through an ad on the show which i'll read on the air and then we'll have it for a few months so if that works for you we can do that as well but now enough of my rambling let's get to the awesome episode for today on the show today, I sit down with somebody really cool and really important and somebody who reached out to me and said, I'm doing a cool thing. I want to work with you. Can we talk about stuff? So I'm really excited to introduce them to you. Today, I sit down with CEO and co-founder of Rose, Cameron Carter. And Rose is a really cool um, platform that Cameron and his co-founder, Joseph Acone, are working on and are putting together. And Rose is a platform that connects disabled people with contractors and service providers to to make sure that we have more accessible housing available in it because accessible housing is something that I think 
so many people need as we get older, so many people need as we age, and as more people encounter disability, we're going to need more accessible housing too. So Cameron Carter is somebody who really wants to um, to address the gaps in the market and make home modifications and making homes more accessible actually accessible to disabled people. So let me read to you what Rose is all about and what we're going to hear a lot about in this episode. So Rose is a platform for individuals with physical disabilities and seniors to connect with certified home modification providers to complete home remodeling projects. With Rose, individuals will be able to search providers, design in the platform, schedule and monitor, pay on the platform, build community, and purchase other accessibility goods and services. For providers, Rose will serve as a conduit for your digital business and will offer dynamic capabilities, including online payments, cost estimators, video chat, invoice billing, support, multilingual customer support, and more. Cameron is was a really cool guest. We talked all about the need for accessible housing, how it impacts him personally in his life, and why he decided as a non-disabled person to take up this cause and what it means for him. And I, we also talked about the importance of accessible housing and how accessible housing is actually a social determinant of health um, and how important it is. And I share with him some of my stories with respect to accessing my, the accessibility in my home and how important something like Rose would be for me as a disabled person. We talk about so many things here, and I love part of my goal and the work that I do is really bridging the gap between non-disabled and disabled people, and I think a project like Rose, um, ha- being headed by two people with tangential experience with disability through family members, um, their, their want to help and make changes in this industry is so so important and I was so excited to sit down with Cameron and talk about it today. So you're going to hear us talk about a, talk in this episode a lot about home modifications, a lot about the need uh, for accessible housing as a social determinant of health, and we're going to talk about why programs like the Rose are so important and so vital for people with, um, with who need accessible home modifications, because accessible home modifications or something that we don't talk about enough. So I was really, I felt like this episode w- was really important to share with you and to make you think about how inaccessible maybe your accessible housing is and, and ways that you can reach out to someone who, someone like Rose, who wants to make a difference in this industry. So we're going to talk all about accessible housing today, and I cannot wait for you to hear the episode. Right now with Cameron Carter, CEO and co-founder of Rose, right here on Disability After Dark. Cameron Carter, hello. How are we doing? How are we doing? Good, how are you doing? So happy to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. I sincerely appreciate it. I'd love to be a part of this and looking forward to the conversation today. Really, really excited. I, you and I met because you, I saw you stumbled on me on the Instagram, was it? That's how we met. That's correct. So 
I was doing a ton of research around this new venture that I'm starting. And the one thing that's been really helpful for, for me to learn, not only about the disability community, but also just about all the different tenants and opportunities is really been on podcasts. So uh, commuting and obviously staying at home a lot more, but that's how I found your podcast and kind of got, I don't know, a little bit addicted. It was up there with like the, the dailies and things like that for me. And Oh, nice. Um, well, that's great. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And then I, we just, we wrote a blog about some of our, our, our favorite podcasts to start the year and we reached out and we're just like, Hey, just let you know, like we're big fans. And um, that's where the conversation started from there. Yeah. Then we started chatting and I'm so excited to have you talk, talk about kind of what you're doing in a second, but because what you're doing is around disability, I want to ask you, what is your, now, as far as I know, and correct me if I'm wrong, you're not a disabled person. That's correct. I'm not. So I'm curious, like, what is your connection to disability? So my connection is actually through my family. So I come from a very large family and I'm one of the youngest in the family. So for me, disability has really arisen through aging. So family members who've developed different types of you know, conditions, whether it be through a stroke, whether it be through multiple sclerosis and seeing that happen over time has really anchored me to reality and anchored me through the way of actually understanding um, not only ways that folks can be better, but also ways that folks are sort of inhibited by the physical environment, the healthcare system, and just the you know uh, public opinion, if you will. And for me, as I had a background in healthcare, and we'll get into that later on, um, I've just seen folks fall through the cracks, and I've seen ways that person-centered care can really enable and engender a better experience. And because that's not really consistent um, through the U.S. healthcare system, you know, I feel like there's an opportunity to not only use technology, but ingenuity and experiences to help folks like my family members and folks and other family members as well. Can you kind of elaborate if you're if if you're comfy on like the on your family members and like the types of disability that you were exposed to? Absolutely. So one of the core starts, we call it my founder story of how I really not only started Rose, but also really got embedded into the space. So as my Salon has multiple sclerosis. Um, she's had it for the better part of 15 years. Um, but she's a firecracker. She actually rides motorcycles, she has trikes. She's, you know, jumps out of planes, whatever it takes. And she's someone that I've always looked up to as sort of just a, a maverick of an individual. And as she, you know, was progressing with her condition, you know, she, she made a point that this is not going to really stop me. I'm going to do everything I want to do. Um, she's only five, five, but drives like these massive buses in Southern California. And that's her job. And she loves it. And she's really effective at it. And what really kind of pulled me from sort of my reality to the a broader reality was um, her and her son is my cousin, actually. Um, I made a point about helping her navigate around her home. So she lives in Southern California, the home that I actually grew up in. Um, and it's an old 1950s home. So three preset steps in the front, two on the side, three in the back, narrow hallways, linoleum flooring. And it was becoming a, a real challenge for her health. And what ended up happening was my cousin actually built her a ramp in her home and, and to really just get out of her home. And I remember looking at that saying, I know that you're not a contractor. I know that there may have been opportunities for him to pay for this. And when I went over and talked to her about it, we taught and went through all the different challenges and opportunities that could really you know, improve her health, not only from shower chairs, but also thinking through the tub and the toilet, you know, those things oh are my God, really effective. Shower chairs in, in Southern California is like a thing that people that just don't understand what that is. At all. I mean, it's, it's, you had these old medical supply stores in the corner of the strip mall, but that was it. 
And it was really hard to not only access adaptive technologies, but it was also difficult to find the right labor sources to really support you through these decision makings, these, these you know, evolutions of your, of your life. And so we ended up having, helping her to actually find a contractor, someone who was not only an occupational therapist by trade, but then moved over to the general contracting space to really walk her through how to widen doors, how to think about different types of ramps, how to think about you're going to be you know, in a motorized wheelchair in time, if that's what you want. How do we think about that and how do we plan for it? So then what I ended up doing was I, I kind of sat there and I started to ask around, I said, hey, is this something my other friends are seeing? And when I started talking to my aunts and uncles who are older than me, they're like, this is pretty common. You know, I, let me introduce you to my friend, right? And as someone who's in their early 30s, talking to folks in their 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and having a completely different, you know, perspective on yeah. how the world is, I would say, built to really hinder quality of life for a lot of individuals. How the world really, is not accessible, period. 100%. Like, just yeah, not. Just, the, just full stop, full period. Yeah. And I said, I mean, I could, I could see this and do nothing about it. Or I could build something that not only affects and supports my family, but more importantly, will be something that I can use at one time. And it's something I'm really interested in doing. And, it, and it's really just been a, a, a great opportunity to learn, to grow. And then the other piece to it is uh, my co-founder, Joe, Joseph Oconee, his older brother uh, has cerebral palsy. Now he's an older adult and they've made modifications to his vehicle, to his home, to his work setting. Um, and for him, it's been one of those pulls of like, hey, I've been doing this and been exposed to this for years. I love to be able to leverage that experience with my sibling um, into a product, into the technology to really support um, not only an aging population, but just the population all, all the way through. Yeah, I mean, I think those family connections are so important. And when people, I think when people see someone they care about unable to access the most basic things like getting around your home. Or like getting a vehicle or like whatever it is, whatever kind of modification. You're like, oh, fuck, I got to do something. Like somebody's got to do something. Yeah, you're just like, I'm, I really can't. I mean, I, you know, folks have asked me about my experience from like a permanent disability standpoint and what that's looked like. For me, you know, I really saw it personally about six or seven years ago when I had a short-term disability where I actually tore my Achilles and had massive surgery, was in a need a foot boot or cast for about six weeks, had to relearn how to walk. And I remember at the time living in a two-story town home in Washington, D.C., having to crawl up the steps, having to crawl into my shower, and really having a high sense of pride and not telling anybody. Um, and it was definitely a very isolating experience because you're sleeping on the couch, you're not, you really recognize the limitations that you have. And for me, that's always stuck with me because public transportation wasn't accessible. Getting to my office wasn't really accessible. And it made for a very difficult time where I, I honestly didn't want to go to work, didn't have the same sort of social cues that I normally had, and was really sort of in a low point for myself. And I really always had that mindset of like, if there's any way I can help someone not have the same experience I had for the better part of the year, I'm going to do it. And I've always had that in my back of my mind. And then now with with Rose, with this, with this new venture, um, we're able to do that. And it's kind of a weird full circle moment in addition to helping my family and in addition to helping my communities as well. Yeah, I mean, I think when I think when you're not when you're not disabled and you are faced with short term or long term accessibility issues, your views on all that stuff change. Like I've had friends who are like, oh, yeah, I had to use crutches for six months or three weeks or whatever it is. And, you know, it's not the same, but it's like, OK, good. You got a taste of that now. Now we know, like and I like that your I like that your taste of it kind of kind of cemented for you you got to do something and I like how you 
talked about a second ago, like you don't want anybody to feel the shame or like the, you know, you, you felt pride in not telling anybody. Like imagine if you had told somebody <laughs> how quickly things would have changed. A, a thousand percent. I think for me it was, um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was really just my pride. It was really just a perspective that I thought I could do this. I'll be fine. And I wasn't, let's just say that. And I think that the piece that for me was really helpful is actually there's an independent living center that was actually in Arlington, uh, Virginia, which is where I was living. And they helped me to understand, <coughs> excuse me, how to modify my home, how to think through different parts of the home, how to be more, um, I would say ingenuitive or like creative. Um, yeah. And then the one piece for me that started to really kind of uh, envelop was at the time I was actually working for a healthcare company and I started talking to physicians and started talking to folks in outpatient therapy centers and just really indirectly asking for help and directly getting some folks' opinions of like, if you had a patient, let's just play hypothetical, right? And they would start to kind of provide their insight. And I'm like, there's no repository for this. There's no, they're like, well, normally give out brochures. You may send them an email, but that's it. And as someone who didn't have a home that was not only, it was definitely not accessible, but there was no insight of like even what that even meant. Um, I was really left for a very difficult time. The one thing I will say though at that time was that I found Stranger Things. So I definitely binge watched that a lot. And that was definitely a, a helpful way to like get over the hump. Uh, I mean, a lot of Netflix. I mean, Netflix Stranger Things is, is a great show. And like, I mean, I mean, Hawkins, I, I can't wait for it to come back. And I'm so excited for it to like. A thousand percent. It was my guilty pleasure. And it was like my contribution to the world. I was like, have you guys seen this show on netflix and i mean it's so good <laughs> so i always remember that part about it of like they're like what what came of that you know rehab and i was like man i found 11 and i got into like <laughs> pediatric sci-fi is basically how i describe it to folks and it was it was amazing so it's that experience plus you know a lot of lived experiences talking to family members has really just helped me to evolve my and i use the phrase perspective but just my reality yeah to understand like if you're lucky enough to get 60, 70, 80, you're probably going to become disabled. So like doing this for yourself now ensures that in like 30 years, when you really need it, you'll have built something with Rose, which I want you to get into in a second. But um, with Rose, like you'll have built something that is going to help you when you get older. So that's kind of, that's kind of awesome. It's beautiful. I mean, I think about um, the aging, the natural aging process for anyone having a disability or, you know, in that regard, is a part of the process. I mean, I, I think about going back to academia where it's taught in such a progressive way where you're like, if you're able to age, that is, you know, you're wiser, you have a better pattern recognition, you're a better use and resource for the community that you're in. Um, but even a part of it, you know, it's, it's not going to be a perfect experience in that regard. So having the ability to ensure that person's not limited by the physical environment that they're in is, is, is mission critical and it's huge. And I think that is how I look at the world now, which is, okay, what are the, where are the barriers and how can we remove them? And then how yeah. can we ensure that we engender an experience after said removal of barrier that is maximizing the fulfillment of that person's life, however they define it, because I don't, I don't know what makes you happy, but I know that I can remove things that probably make you unhappy pretty quickly. And I want to make sure I do that as vigorously as possible. Yeah, I mean, well, look, if I can get around my house, that makes me happy. And then I can do I can do the things that make me happy around my house. Like a thousand percent. Yeah. So, so like I think what you're doing with Rose is great. And so if anybody's like listening to us and like we 
we kind of know what we're talking about. So anybody listening is like, what are they talking about? Can you just break down? Like, can you just start from ground zero and like break down what the rose is and what you're doing? Yeah. So I'll give a, a bit of a sort of a history lesson about myself and how I came to Rose and then what Rose is and what we're, what I plan on doing, but actually will be doing. So my background is actually in healthcare disparities. So I did a lot of work in research um, and academia to understand just community health. So understanding things around the phrase you may hear now is probably social determinants of health. Yeah. So understanding access to public transportation, access to foods and grocery stores, access to bike lanes, access to accessible housing, accessible buildings and really quantifying uh, those disparities and how they would impact someone's health, whether it's a child, an adult, a senior, wherever the case may be. And the reason why I was so interested is because I grew up in that area. I grew up in Southern California, but I specifically grew up in Compton, California, which is an underserved community. You know, 140,000 people don't have a hospital system in the entire city. We have one grocery store and it's literally called Food for Less. Um, Whoa. yeah, so everyone who's listening from Southern California knows exactly what I'm talking about. It's just a big warehouse. One grocery store, one. One. We have one grocery store, and um, it's been the same grocery store since I was a kid. And um, buses stop running at, you know, 6.30. So when people talk about accessing, you know, transportation doesn't exist. And obviously in Southern California, we have no subways. So a lot of folks are, um, they're restricted. Um, and for me, I always saw that as life, you know, regular occurrence. I didn't see it as being negative until I started to actually get out of the space and start to see other parts of the country. Um, and then where I really kind of had this intersection of healthcare was in researching communities that look just like mine. So whether it's, you know, Inglewood, you know, Inglewood, Illinois, the Bronx, whether it's Broward County, other different parts of this country, where I was like, wow, this is actually a common urban planning issue, right? And then you think about it from the landscape of environmental racism, where you're like, there's a power plant next to where I live, or there's a bunch of wires next to where I live, wherever the case may be. For me, I live three blocks from an airport. So we didn't have a grocery store in Compton, but we do have an airport where planes fly right over your house and whatever comes with that pollution and things like that are just a part of the experiences. Yeah. So as I started to get into the healthcare space, I did a lot of work in physiology, um, did work in consulting, helping these large corporations build innovative benefits for their health plans. So got to really understand sort of the business side of it. Went over and did a lot of work in the technology side, so building uh, software for hospital systems to help them with navigating community health, care coordination. But where Rose really kind of came out of was my last role that I had was at a company called Bright Health. So Bright Health was a startup health insurance company, and my role is actually overseeing what's called supplemental benefits. So think of your medical benefits you normally have, you know, when it comes to senior doctor, outpatient visits, copays, yada, yada, yada. But then you have your other benefits, dental, vision, hearing, home health. And I oversaw that full concept where I was really excited about to actually deploy services to remove these barriers and disparities in communities that look like mine, but to do it nationally. And in 2020, there was a rule change within the what's called CMI or the Center for Medicare Innovation, where they said these supplemental benefits are not going to only be about primary health needs, but just overarching health needs. So what that ended up doing was changing the definition. So now all of a sudden health plans can cover things like meal delivery. They can cover things like companion care, pest care. Um, but most importantly for me was they started to cover structural home modifications. And in my head, I was like, you know, that's a very unique uh, service, very unique coverage. And I just kind of like was really interested in just the opportunity. Fast forward to that experience with my aunt. And I was like, she needs this benefit. She could use this benefit today. Could have yeah. easily sent in something. And, and not only would it not have been any money out of her pocket, but it have been the right type of modification for her physical need, not just a wheelchair ramp, but widen that doorway, 
you know, put in a grab bar across the hallway so she can easily, you know, navigate down the hallway. Roll and shower. Roll and shower. And there's, and there's so many unique things that could be done in a home that if you're not aware of it, you're not going to know that it's, it's an outcome. So, you know, for me, instead of just jumping into the, the deep end of this, what I ended up doing was building roads from a person-centered perspective and spending time researching folks, spending time with independent living facilities, spending time with the VA, spending time with different clients, different types of opportunities and hospital systems, asking, where's there a gap? How should this be solved? How can I support home health agencies? What I did want to do was build something and assume people will come and use it. And then uh, last fall, I actually ended up taking a course at USC called the Executive Certificate in Home Modifications, where I spent six months working with folks, designing different type of CAD models for homes and really being invested in this space to make sure what Rose is going to do was not only be effective, but be inclusive. Because when we think about inaccessible housing, it's not an age problem, it's, it's an ageless problem. At any point in time, this could be a need for yourself, it could be oh, a need yeah. for your family members. And when you see folks build technology that's really catered towards just a pocket of the community, a lot of times it's limiting. So what we ended up building was a web platform, just like it's just a website. It's not going to be, you know, some complex anything else. But what it does is it connects individual disabilities and, and seniors to vetted home modification companies to actually uh, complete, whether it be residential or commercial uh, modifications to improve accessibility. So the Rose itself is um, something we're not only passionate about, but we're excited about because of how many different opportunities and tenants will come out of this platform. Um, but the core of it is make sure when you go on there and about six steps, you're able to find someone in your local area who can not only do the work, who's also experienced, but, but the last is has a deep empathy for the clinical and the healthcare value proposition that these modifications would have to an individual uh, in their home, as well as in commercial residences as well. And I think that's so important that, that we look at home care modification and accessible housing as a social determinant of health. Would you say that it is? I've, I've grown from not only agreeing to believing that the home is the start of preventative health. You know, before the pandemic, an individual was spending about two thirds of their, their life in their home. And when you think about that as being, you know, uh, a foundation of someone's lived experience, if that lived experience is hindering them, if that lived experience is creating barriers for them, it's actually going to have a much more, uh, a, higher, a higher opportunity to actually impede their health than maybe just going to the doctor's office twice a year. Or maybe having oh, yeah. a telemedicine visit. And when you look at it from that perspective, you, you ask yourself, why has that not been um, accounted for? And the answer is because our healthcare system has not really intertwined the health of an individual once they leave the hospital system. So it's, it's not really for the doctor to make sure you're always eating. They're going to maybe recommend something. It's not for the doctor to tell you how to fix your home. They may recommend something. But that onus is now on that individual patient. And not every patient is aware of what to do. And we believe that user-friendly technology, inclusive technology will not only aid an individual, but guide an individual through modifications, guide an individual through what's the right type of product to purchase, and then also to find community as well, to learn from other folks and be inspired by, you know, rolling showers that maybe someone did down the street or something someone did in a different country. We want that for somebody, and that's what we believe the internet can do, and that's what we want to make sure Rose is um, able to provide for, for folks. And I think that's, I think what you're doing and why you ran me through your pitch deck a few, a few weeks ago. And I was so, I, right. like we spent like an hour together and the whole time I was like, yep, yep. <laughs> yep. Like we need this. And it's so, so exciting what you're trying to do. I know that you've sat down with a lot of people in, mm-hmm. 
kind of getting this going and trying to like understand the barriers when you were sitting down with just people just talking about it what, what was some of the stuff they said when you brought this up we needed this 10 years ago where have you been yeah, the phrases like that in a very I mean it was a flippant way at first but then it was kind of like what I'm curious you've been in healthcare why do you feel like the disability community hasn't received these value-based care this innovation these all these different things and I just you know and I didn't really have the, the best answer but I, I you know what I tried to make sure they understood was that um, there is something coming that there is someone who has a tailored experience for individuals regardless of SES, regardless of, you know, you know, ableness or whatever the case may be, because I know how important it is that we have all hands on deck, that folks are actually living to the fullest potential. Um, and in these conversations, these, you know, individuals, whether it be professors, whether it be healthcare industry professionals, home health OTs, whatever the case may be, have really been patient with me, which has been super helpful for me to understand this is why this gap exists. Okay, if I'm a home health provider in Toronto or in Dallas, Texas or London, England, I'm not paid to do home modifications. I'm timed in my job. I'll report this, but it goes nowhere. What I would love for that report to do is go to a site like yours, enable this patient or this particular client to go in and get the modification they need to find the right person. So we've been really sensitive in having these conversations saying, how can I best help you without taking any money out of your pocket? Yeah. And for us, it was, you know, instead of going through health plans or going through, you know, government agencies, we said, let's put it up. Let's make it direct to consumer as a channel. Let's make a website and just from there, build products, build feature sets on top of that. Instead of doing the traditional partnership and saying, let's work with this big agency and hopefully they can kind of put us out there because, you know, someone who's been at, in healthcare industries for years, but also specifically worked in health insurance, it's a limiting approach. And I just feel like it's going to take way too much time to go through that channel and having these conversations with these energy professionals. They said, yeah, if you can, make it available to anybody we love to just use it full stop and that's was that was one of the main drivers in evolving our platform from maybe a traditional partnership with blue cross who showed up some state or nhs or something like that and just making it available and saying okay you know what here's the website go use it let us know if there's bugs email me if there's an issue um and as we've done the testing this far folks have definitely resonated to that option like it's really and i love the website it's so simple it's so easy it's like you would go on Kijiji or you would go on like, you know, Craigslist or you go on like Angie's list or you go on one of those mm -hmm. lists and you find a, you find a contractor, you find a task person. It's mm -hmm. literally that simple. And I think for consumers who want simplicity, you don't want to go through an agency because an agency, when you're disabled, an agency is all red tape and bureaucracy and all the bullshit and nobody like I don't want that I want my home renovated for the, you know without it costing me a million dollars and I don't want to have to go through like the the rules and regulations of some agency that doesn't get it this way it's right mm -hmm. to me that plus you know when we've talked to these companies we've said okay what can we do for you you know we know that you want to grow your business diversify your business and in those same conversations, they've said things like, you know, we'd love to be able to accept digital payments. You know, right now, when you go to some of these other lists, you still got to pay cash or checks. And what that does is that actually limits the affordability for some folks who only use debit cards or their credit card. Or for folks, you know, right now in, in the States, there's this actual unique card called a health savings account. So some yeah. folks can actually save money through it. But there's a digital card for it. Well, that digital card can't be used on a lot of these existing sites. 
which is again limiting their affordability. So totally, we, we've thought about is okay, how do I help Joe's Flooring LLC as an example, really kind of come into this space, find value, find opportunity, but also ensure that he can actually accept he or she can actually accept, you know, a multiple amount of digital payments and. You know, that's enabled us to really kind of understand other gaps in the system, other gaps in, in technology. And the one piece that we're really excited about is the ability to actually pull someone's benefit to the actual invoice. So may I mentioned before that CMS in, in the States have actually evolved the definition of a supplemental benefit. Where in, in 2021, there's actually one state that had health plans that actually covered home modifications. And it was like a nice little test trial. In 2022, there's actually 16 states. Oh, and wow. there's other and there's other states that are evolving it. Other countries not looking at America saying, "How do you address this?" Well, to give an example, you have a health plan in Texas that actually offers about a thousand dollars a year on a restricted debit card to their actual uh, members, saying, "Hey, let us know what the modification you need. You can use this card." Well, if the company can't accept the card, that member can't use their they can't use their money. And these are things that a lot of times folks don't realize in the patient center approach to technology that if you don't account for, because they assume folks will use cash, they'll be fine. Like it's, you know, it's, you know, whatever the case may be, it's a limiting factor. And these are things that we're trying to mitigate as soon as possible and do it at scale. So it's not just a Texas issue that we're solving. It's a, it's a, it's a national issue and a national issue over time. Yeah. Well. And I think it's really, I think doing it that way and pooling the benefit into, you know, the, the program reminds people that disabled people don't have a lot of money. We don't have like thousands of dollars to put oh. towards to put towards home renovations. So a lot of people who are living right now in inaccessible homes have may do like have done their best, but they're not they're not living their fullest potential. They're not living their happiest disabled life because they can't get around and they don't have the money. And knowing that there's someone out there like you who's like, hey, come on our website and we'll connect you with a contractor that's not gonna bilk you out of money. I remember when I was yeah. 15 in Canada in, in living in my mom's home we had to get our our bathroom redone and we we want a one of the big companies here in Canada's Loblaws so they're a big like they're a big big food chain here in Canada and Massive. so I was like 16 and I won this award to this like kids award to get my bathroom redone and so the contractors came and they they did it but they put in the worst flooring i've ever seen they put in like concrete Man. floor in a in our home and we were like oh no this is horrible <laughs> ew look no so they, like gave, a patio. they yeah so they gave us all this money to do that and they put in this horrible concrete floor and my mom was like oh no this is not gonna no no well, i'm not putting i'm not showering my kid in what looks like a dungeon like no no we're not doing it so like so that she got them to redo it and they put in a better floor but they didn't think about my access at all they didn't think about what it is that i would have wanted and i was 16 so i was like a teenager being like oh whatever mom you figured out but like i remember being like now looking at that as a 37 38 year old person i'm like oh man that must have been so hard to like figure out what accessibility was and i remember they put in these sinks in the bathroom that were supposed to be like long that I could reach that you could lift up and the water would flow. Of course, they didn't stay up long enough. And still to this day in that bathroom, when you go in there to use a sink, the the tap, it doesn't, they don't flow, they fall down. 
and you have to like hold them up with your hand. And that was supposed to be the accessible option. And they put in a roll-in shower that the water pools. So there's a drain at the, there's a drain at like the bottom of the shower, obviously, but there's no like slope for the water to go. So every time you have a shower in there, the bathroom is soaked. Yeah. Yeah. It's, these are examples. And I, and I know a lot of remodeling companies will say we're ADA compliant. We understand what to do. But I think a lot of times they really approach it. And I've talked to them about it. And I've talked to folks across the country and they say the same thing, which is we kind of have this standard of care, this, this, this kind of standard operating procedure that we follow. And I ask them, well, why don't you just follow what the person actually needs? The standard is never accessible. The, whatever, At all. Like, and it doesn't matter if we're talking the U.S., we're talking Canada. The standards that contractors to make it accessible, like in, in Ontario where I live, we have the AODA, which is the Access for Ontarians with Disabilities Act. There's mm-hmm. standards on how something is to be accessible. And I can tell you from that remodel, <laughs> they did like it's not, it's not accessible. So, and that was wow. back in like 2000, 2001, they did this. And like the bathroom is better now, but mm-hmm. still it's a ridiculous bathroom. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's, it's, it's one of these components where, and I even take it back to the class that I took, the folks have, you know, research on and talk to there. So, you know, what's needed is a lot of these home modification companies and to make sure the person who is in need of those modifications is very much a part of the design, the development, and the completion of the project. <clears throat> that approach is not always the case when you would normally work with the contractor to do like maybe their patio or do your kitchen. Like you may give them inspiration, some drawings, you say, go out and figure it out. This is a lot more of a, a built relationship. And yeah. I think it's important because, you know, when folks realize, you know, okay, well, if you're going to raise the, the, the height of someone's toilet or reduce the height of someone's sink, it's for that person, not just for the home, not just for this broad amount of individuals. It's really for Mr. Jones or yeah. Mr. Adams to make sure that the, there's a reason why if the toilet is only 18 inches high and that doesn't work, why 22 inches is ideal. So if they're going to transfer from, let's say, the wheelchair that they're using or for some other type of assistive device, that is important because if they don't have that ability to transfer, that's impeding their quality of life. Yeah. And not every single person is really adapter aware about that. If they're working in this space such that when we think about for Rose, we're trying to make sure we curate a network of folks who not only understand it, they've experienced it. Yeah. They, it's a lived approach and they're really, they're really um, motivated to get it right because they realize not so much that there's going to be more modifications in the future, but because they realize that they've actually changed someone's life with this modification. So that intrinsic value they're able to get out of their job really ensures that there's someone who really is dedicated to not only showing up a couple of times, a few times throughout the year to make sure that is this right? Has this evolved? And these are things that we're trying to capture with Rose to make sure that our network is not just anybody. Joe and the contractor. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're literally interviewing folks and as someone who's, again, worked in academia, worked in healthcare, I'm asking questions of, okay, how would you approach buying this product? How have you thought about this particular experience? And when I, when people say it seems like a very arduous task, my thing is, it's the least I do for someone in my family. So I'm doing it for your, someone in your family as well. And if I just on the phone with folks every single day, I'll do it because if not, the impact is so much more than just, I don't like my sink or I think this backsplash is unattractive. It's your effect. The impact is I can't wash my face. I can't have a shower. I don't feel good about myself. I don't feel attractive. Mm-hmm. I can't go on a date because I can't have a shower because I can't use the bathroom it's like there's so much stuff that people don't think about and what i like 
I was going to ask you this, but what I like, you kind of brought it up. Was it like, they're not coming in just once. You're setting up a relationship where if X person, their disability changes or their needs change, they can go back on the site and say like, hey, so it's been a couple of years. I can't use that sink anymore or I can't use that shower modification. I think I need this. Can I talk to you again? Can we figure it out? Yeah. And we want to make sure that that continuity and that relationship is, is primary on the actual site itself. I mean, a lot of times, you know, folks will say, well, I use this contractor. I use this person for this thing. And it was great. And I never saw them again. This is probably not going to be that same experience. And for us, we want to make sure that's actually designed into the product. So it's not just about you being able to save a provider and have like your favorites list. It's being able to understand that this provider can send you updates on other things they're doing. So I'll give an example, we had a provider who actually built, you know, wide in someone's doorway and someone said, can you do that for my patio? And the provider was like, well, not only can I not, not only can I do that, but here are other options I've done for patios to be widened such that you can get through it, you know, whatever type of device you may have or whatever type of condition you may have. But more importantly, the patio needs to be addressed, right? The flooring there, because maybe the planks are too wide or the case may be, these are small details to some people, but are large details of folks who actually see the value of it. Oh yeah. And that's not always, that's not always involved or included in someone's training. And that's why having the right type of labor on this platform for folks who think about the little big things is the phrase that we use it, uh, the phrase that we use it, you know, within rows, because it's important. It's important to realize that maybe handles need to be changed out because doorknobs worked at one time, but as someone progressed in time with maybe carpal tunnel or some other type of upper extremity or MS, you need, or, or, MS or whatever it is. Yeah. Whatever it is. There's so many unique products out there and it's, it's, there's this intersection now that we're really excited about at Rose of smart home technology to improve the overall design of the home. Folks don't really see that as being accessible. They see it as like the cool thing that's coming out, but voice activated, you know, showers. Oh no, or, that shit is, that shit's accessibility. Like, it's beautiful. It's universal I, design. And I'm yeah. like, we have to have this shit in every single home. Like, I want this because it's like it enables so much more for you to do in your home. And yeah, we need it. Like, it's, I don't know how to describe, but like, we need all those things. <laughs> I mean, listen, as long as Siri doesn't fucking kill me, then I'm good, man. As long as as long as she doesn't do some like how 3000 Space Odyssey, you know, 2001 stuff. We're oh good. Oh my gosh. Yeah, no, Siri, I will say that Siri does have like it out for some people because I feel like sometimes I'll start talking about something and then like, she'll just pop up on my phone. And it's like, I know I didn't say your name. Yeah. Like, I know for a fact I didn't we say your name. We were not speaking to each other. Go away. Yeah. I'll be in meetings and it's like, how can I help? You can't. Like, you can't yeah. help right now. So, like, here's, so that needs to be limited. But I feel like, you know, buttons and things like that are like, uh, uh, you know, uh, ability to like put your hand on that actually, you know, starts the faucet, things of that nature. Yeah. Those are things that I'm, I'm so excited now, not only becoming available, becoming affordable. And that's the one piece that I, I think a lot of folks sometimes sort of fail to realize is that, oh yeah, Cameron, this has been around for years. Yeah. But it's been 400, $500. Now it's 60. Yeah. And now you're able to actually not only buy it, but buy it for a bunch of different rooms. Someone could buy it for their, you know, their friend's home or their family member's home. And these are the things that are really starting to create a more, you know, universally designed world that we just want to kind of supercharge. And make it available and not just homes, but we think about a phrase at, at Rose, which is making the road accessible always. It's not just the home, it's the physical environment that is outside your home. It's hotels, it's planes, it's ships. I was it's, just gonna say you and I spent like a good <laughs> you, you a good amount of time talking about that. Yeah. 
you pitched this to me and I, the very first thing I said was, this is amazing. It needs to be done on a like, broader level in terms of like hotels because, you know, when we go to the hotel space, they need so much renovation and they don't know where to go and they don't know what to do. And like, I remember when I was in LA two years ago, I went, I was in one of the most famous hotels in LA, the, the Roosevelt Hollywood, like downtown LA on the strip, like right there. And I went into this hotel that was apparently ADA accessible and they were great. They were so nice. We got up there and we were like, we can't use this room. Like, what are you, what? <laughs> so we had to go around with the, with the, con- with the like building manager who was so sweet, but had no idea about like access. And so the minute you said, you're doing this, I was like, oh, you know who needs this? Hotels. Like you need to talk to everybody, all the hotels everywhere. We, and we're, you know, it, it excites us, you know, when we hear about other places that we can, we can serve. And I think about hotels, I think about short-term rentals like Airbnbs or the Verbos of the world. And I realized that they're just now coming into this arena, leveraging antiquated foundations of what is accessible, what is, you know, uh, inclusive. And I think about that from the landscape of just places that have stairs all over the place or, you know, narrow hallways. Or if you look at, and this is no disrespect for the region, but you look at some of the Airbnbs in like the Northeast, it doesn't matter who you are. They're just cramped and not structured really well. Yeah. And, they're older models, but when you look at, you know, folks say, well, those are just old homes. Even newer hotels aren't accessible. No. Right. And, you know, when I think about the, 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 the business need of that, I, you know, we've talked to some, and I'll just say some large hotel change. And I've said, you know, you're actually limiting your upside of your business. So like, much. There are folks who would love to know that you're the accessible hotel chain of choice yeah like i think you, you should look into that and they're like well i've never really thought of it that way and, and that's like for them that's a mar- that's a that's marketing genius right there you could say you're the accessible hotel chain for the northeast or for for the west or for california or whatever it is well, like, yeah how, like how awesome would that be for them and to have someone like you i think also like it's important to mention that you're you're a black owned business like mm-hmm. i think that it's so important to mention that because typically when we talk about this kind of stuff it's usually white men having this conversation. So I think, like, I think it's really, it's valuable that somebody who not only understands, who's not only understands disability from like family experience for you, but Mm -hmm. also you understand health disparities from the standpoint of a person of color. And I think bringing that into all those spaces, disability and all the things you've done to get the roads going is, needs to be mentioned because we don't talk about blackness and disability enough the intersection of that is is deep in that because if you look at and i'll use a i'll use a, an area in, in in america so we call it the sun belt but basically the southeast corner of america right has a ton of history when it comes to oppression and things like that but if you look at the disparities and what they've sort of you know not only magnified but become to this day the one that always jumps up to me i always tell people it's like black maternity Black maternity mortality, right? That right now in America, in the Southeast, you are safer. You would you would have been safer to have a child in the 1860s than you would now, right? And these are more. There's a there's a slew of disparities that exist because of the infrastructure that is down there, but more specifically because it's not inclusive. Health equity is just now becoming this phrase that people think is a buzzword. But my thing is, why would someone else get a better quality of life or better service than I would when it comes to my health? And that's just 
baked into the system. So for me, our goal is to actually just break the wheel that's been sort of like turning for centuries and turning for decades. When we say, you know what, we're not going to go through your insurance on this. We're going to make it available to you. We're going to pull your insurance and make sure that it's covered. But you decide what you want, right? Your dignity is much more important than my assumption, my opinion, because yeah. your condition and your experience is independent to you. And that's that's amazing. And I want to make sure that we, you know, uh, augment that as best we can with our platform. But as <coughs> to your point of being a black male, you know, when I think about talking to folks about who are who have disabilities, whether they're veterans or someone, you know, whoever the case may be, they so the same sort of pride that I had when I had my Achilles injury. I was like, I don't want to ask for help. I'm going to just do this and take care of this. And I'm like, you know, there's there's so much for us to learn as a people, but more importantly, so much for us to learn from history and for other folks that. When I think about Rose, the one thing we're really mindful of is really solving that unmet need of really connecting individual to company. But then as we evolve that connection, our goal is to make sure that folks have access to buying the right, you know, adaptive, you know, equipment, assistive technologies, but also make sure those individuals are able to find other folks in their community to learn from, to grow with. Because that's a beautiful thing as well about, you know, where technology can come, just like how you and I met, you know, the way the internet is set up now, where you can find folks, learn from folks, and that's a beautiful avenue that otherwise was not available to you know even a decade ago or even 20 years ago for sure yeah yeah and i think you know just thinking about the fact that you don't want to go insurance go through insurance kind of feels awesome because you're like i'm not going to go through some old crusty white men's insurance policy that doesn't make sense for my needs and i'm gonna we're gonna just think about that entirely because you know those policies like let's be real about it those policies were written by crusty old white men who want to keep as much money as possible and make as much money as possible and not think about what the needs were. Yeah. I mean, an insurance company, and this is the thing that I learned actually working for one, right? We're not even working for one, but being an early employee at one where we were naming the plans, picking the counties we're going into. Um, you're just a big bank, right? I think a lot of folks have this misconception that a health, that a health insurance company is really catered towards care delivery. It's no. not, it's really just no. payments. And for me, overseeing services, I mean, when I was at Bright, I was in charge of 30 services across 14 states. So it wasn't just dental, it wasn't just vision, it was transportation and telemedicine during the pandemic, right? It was maternity care, it was post-discharge meal deliveries. It was seeing all these different opportunities. And what made me, what made it really difficult for me was I realized that I was the gatekeeper. I realized that I was a person that was really sort of like, you know, basically evolved my thinking into this insurance model that I was limiting access to the things I knew people already needed because they were in the wrong county. Not because they didn't need it, but because we were only doing it in this particular county, this region of an area, and they were in the wrong region. Yeah. I was actually, I was actually unintentionally, disparities, unintentionally yeah. the disparities that I was trying to eradicate. And that was something that really, I sat down and I had to have a long conversation about that for me because when the pandemic had hit, you know, we were in one of our largest growth stages and we were all of a sudden we were in New York, Miami, Phoenix, um, Denver, Colorado, all these different places. And I was able to see the different sort of like, not just the data, but also the impact of what these services were able to do for some folks, but not every folk. And I said, am I better off staying here? Or am I better off doing this in a way that is much more accessible? And I, and I use that phrase you know, loosely to more folks. And the answer was the latter. And I said, okay, how can I get that done? It was the internet. And it was definitely leveraging the existing technologies and the form factors of 
this feels like a Craigslist, this feels like an Angie's list, but recognize that we're a healthcare startup, recognize we're a healthcare company because what we're trying to make sure we do is not only improve your, your biomarkers, your cholesterol, things like that. I'm trying to improve your activities day of living. Can you bathe better? Right. Can you, um, can you sleep better? Can you navigate around your home better? Right. Can you drive better? These are things I'm trying to make you like your house, like your living situation. It's huge. Like, look, look, look where where I live right now. You can't see anything other than where I'm sitting, but like behind me is my kitchen and Mm -hmm. all of the cupboards where I need to get stuff. I can't reach them. I can't reach the cupboards. Can't turn on Mm -hmm. the sinks. Can't, you know, open the blinds myself, but technically I'm living in what is deemed an accessible apartment. So (laughs) it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a weird, it's this, it's this narrative where, and I was reading, uh, um, I was reading Judy Human's memoirs, Being Human, and she had talked about something as small as like an elevated concrete slab and a sidewalk and how difficult that is to navigate around both as a child and as an adult, you know, as a wheelchair user. It's and I think impossible. for some folks, and it's the bane of my existence. I hate them so much, so much, right? And you sit there and you're like, okay, if that is something as to some other folks as small as that is a huge burden to happiness fulfillment. Think about someone's cupboard. Think about someone's inability to access their basement, access the laundry room, access different parts of their home. And when you sit back and ask yourself what can change, it's like it's just a modification. We're not saying I need a whole new anything. It's just that someone needs to come in. Think through exactly what Angie made. They need to think through like a, a disability lens of what the person needs and listen to their story. And like, like what you might want to do with the contractors, you know, is say to the people that you, you have on the site, like have a big meeting with them and be like, okay, let's talk about, let's just, let's have a quick meeting about like what this will do, what you're doing for this person. When you go into their home, don't ask them what they need right away. Mm-hmm. Ask them what this would do for them and ask them what this, how this would change their life and ask them how this would change their day. And then, because I remember when I got that bathroom, I mean, before they put in the ridiculous tiles, like we had to do a video for that company and show like how hard it was to shower me and how difficult it was. So I remember doing this video and it went all over Canada and then everyone, everyone saw me at like 15 showering with a bathing suit on. It was very so embarrassing at 15, but I did it. And I remember mm-hmm. think, I remember having to be like, yeah, we need this. This is what we need. And here's what would change our lives. If mm-hmm. the contractors ask the question, not what do you need from us? Not what are the costs? But the very first question out of their mouth should be, what can I do today to make to make you to to make you feel better in your home, to make your home accessible? Mm-hmm. What does that mean for you? And I think getting the contractors to realize that yes, it's a job and yes, there's labor involved, and yes, there's costs and blah, blah blah. But underneath all that, you're changing their life. You're making them feel proud of their home and you're making them feel like they should be there i think that may be a great thing kind of to to tell the contractors just so they know that it isn't just a job they're doing it's something way bigger than that it is i mean i i the phrase that i use a lot is it's care delivery and i and i know that you know physicians may balk at that or clinicians may balk at that idea but i truly think it is i truly think the ability to modify someone's home and to not only make it more accessible um, but to make it more useful is a piece of care or a portion of care delivery that I think is the, 
the tip of the spear, uh, preventative yeah. care. If you're able to prevent not only falls, but hospital readmissions, low depression scores, a variety of different things that may not always show up when someone gets their blood drawn, um, your ability to actually recognize if there's anything, you know, any issues in the home itself and things like that. These are important, you know, data points, right? Social determinants of health that a lot of physicians, a lot of folks in hospitals just never see. And yeah. one of the things that we've learned over the time in our research with both home health, occupational therapists, home health, physical therapists, is that they'll notice things a lot sooner. They'll be able to put down, write everything up in their report. And then it goes into this black box. It doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. You know, and our response was, what if you can go a different direction and aid your particular patients with fine rows? to go through four or five steps, find the right local modification provider, and then allow us to help them figure out how to pay for it. You know, one of the things that, you know, we did well before we even launched this product was I used to just write blog posts and just take everything I knew in my big brain and say, put it on paper. So one of the second blogs we wrote was every single way that you can actually get a modification in your home paid for, whether you're a veteran, whether you're over the age of 65, whether you're someone in the disability community, whether you're just somebody who's like, I just want to age in place and I'm you know, trying to think about it in the longitudinal perspective. And I was like, just put it out there. Like, I don't want folks to have to go through and dig through Dr. Google. Um, let's just make it into, and let's click, you click this button and here's the application, right? Immediately like yeah. that. And then the next evolution of that is, and this is something that we're, we're doing our rows is type in your member ID for your health plan. And we'll tell you if you're eligible, just like that. And Amazing. one of the pieces that we felt was important was that we reduce as many friction points to get from, I need something to it's done. And as we continue to do that, our goal is to make it so quick that it's just, it should be as easy as ordering on Uber Eats or DoorDash or things yeah. like that to get like, you know, Thai food. You should be able to get a grab or you should be able to get your door wide because it's that important to your life. This is not some HDTV, like I want to renovate my home or whatever. It's like, no, no, I want to live my fullest self. Although, I should I mean, have the how fucking awesome would it be for you? And I to have an HGTV show where you went and did you like, imagine? Can we? You imagine? Can somebody listen. like? Can somebody listen? We're here. <laughs> Someone we're on here. HGTV, like, let let's, us know. Let's do my it. my biggest goal, and I'm I I I am a huge. This is pre pandemic traveler. There are so many parts of the world that are inaccessible that I believe if they're made accessible would have just as resurgence of tourism and attractive, you know, all these different things for folks to see what's out there and. When I ask folks about, you know, rows, like, well, it's a really unique thing for the state. It's like, what do you want to do a long time? It's like the U.S. is actually behind. If you look at, you know, Canada, where there's more individuals over the age of 60 than under 18, they're already aging. When you look at the European Union, they're already aging. But I remember spending time in Tokyo in 2018, and they've already really focused on an accessible community, accessible country, because in Japan, they're aging faster than anyone in the world, such that. They have to account for inclusivity, universal design, even in their subways where you go in there and it's actually, there's no steps, there's ramps. Yeah. So everything's like this slided ramp all the way into the point where their vending machines are voice activated. You can just like tap a card and get something sent out because I like you use their fine motor control. But yeah. even when you think about the streets, the sidewalks, you know, getting into a museum, getting into a, you know, a, an Uber or a Lyft or whatever the case may be, or their version of Uber or Lyft. I was like, wow, this is really, this is really helpful. You know, and then, when you talk to folks around, they're like, yeah, but 10 years ago, it wasn't. We've had to just make a commitment as a community, as a country to evolve this. And I, and I, to that regard, I'm like, you know, this goes back to your point about a TV show. It's like Andrew and Cameron can travel the world. There's a fucking, like, there's a show there. There's a show. 
there's a show like somebody let's like let's go i'll go with you let's go we can go around the world so fun we can we can Andrew Bourdain or you know Andrew Zimmer this shit out of, and just like go around the world and evolve things. So you know you want to go see you know uh, the Vatican. Here's the best way to go about it if you have this condition or this condition. Here's how it's accessible. And I think about yeah. it not from the lens of like a flippant example. I think about it from the lens of if you think of the world and you say the world is going to age at a different rate. There are a lot of folks who will be able to afford to travel who will look and say I can't because it's not accessible. It's just good business at this point. I think the only industry who's really tapped into that is the cruise industry. When you look at cruise lines, they're extremely accessible because they have, they have to be. You know, my my mom, she's in her late 60s. She actually hacked the cruise line. I always tell people this. So she actually works at the port of Los Angeles and she checks in people's passports. And because she has that job, she gets deep discounts on like Royal Caribbean and all that other stuff. She like that. Yeah, we actually, yeah. She loves that life, right? But when she talks so about it, so when are we going on rooms. a cruise? How do I? How do I? Let's, <laughs> let's make it happen, right? I'm listen. I used, I used to I used to downplay cruises. I went on one. I was like, I get it. I, I get it. I can do this. Um, their their rooms, you know, it's it's not just that they're wider, but they offer op- different opportunities for bathing options, whatever you prefer. Different options for beds, whether it be you know beds that can actually like sit up on its own, lift your legs on its own, and I'm yeah. kind of sitting there questioning like. What made you do this? And I remember talking to her supervisor and a few others about it. And they were like, well, it's good business. I mean, for us, we realized right. that we're actually impacting like our own top and bottom line by creating, you know, because right now, if folks are not familiar with this, is that if you have a commercial development that could be cruises, hotels, buildings, only about 20% of the space needs to be accessible. That's just how the law is written for most of the different countries. The cruise line said, well, if we made half of our rooms accessible, we just didn't tell anybody they're accessible. You just walked into this a very spacious room. You know, this is great. This is awesome. But you don't realize that it's really for the perspective that a lot of folks have all these different needs. And it's important for them as a cruise line, as an example, to make sure that everyone's as comfortable as possible. That includes the dining room. That includes getting from the top of the, the, the ship to the bottom of the ship. That includes going to the comedy shows. That includes the water parks, whatever it is. And you look around, and you're like, wow, this is a universally designed experience because it's good business. And I think about that lens for the hotels. I think about that lens for planes who are doing a horrendous job, but that's a whole different conversation. Oh, wow. We but could, it's a, that's a whole we could have a whole, com- you know, a yeah. whole podcast about that, but it's, it's, it's that lens where I think, where I, actually, I think that's that lens is where I know Rose can really solve a lot of opportunities, solve a lot of pain points, but serve a lot more industries beyond just the home. I think for us, the home is the most urgent need for a lot of folks. And so we start there. And then as we evolve outside of the home, it's important to come to these other conversations with the same patience, the same sensibility, but also the same energy to say, how do we ensure that the Roosevelt Hotel is able to take anybody and yeah. no one's going to be you know, impacted by it? How do I make sure that when someone takes a, a plane ride from Los Angeles to New York on any particular brand that they feel comfortable, whether they're in row 38 or row one. And when we get to that point in time, you know, it's it's going to be such a beautiful experience because then folks not only not have that same sort of pride issue that I have when I turn my Achilles, but no matter what age you are, you know that any place that you can go in the world is accessible. Like just the thought of that is, you know, it's moving for folks because they've been living in a place where they never thought that even their home could be accessible, let alone the museum they want to go to or the theme park they want to go to or the school that they attend. Like these are things that, you know, not only do I plan to dedicate my career to this, I plan to dedicate the brand even longer than myself at this because it's not only needed, but it's it's me betting on the inevitable that a world that is accessible is a better world than it is today. 
And I mean, that is like the perfect end point. But before I end, I have one last question. Yeah. It's in my head there because I want to put it out there. So if you could, speaking with all these people that you're speaking to, mm-hmm. what is like the simplest access need that you think people are overlooking in the home? Overlooking the home. Ooh, that's a really good question. Um, overlooking the home. I'm going to say, you know what? I'm going to say it's flooring. I'm going to say it's flooring. And the reason because um, whether it's carpet, whether it's old linoleum flooring or tile flooring, a lot of it, not only is it not, you know, slip resistant, it's not waterproof, it's not scratch resistant. And the reason why I bring it up is because there's so many unique flooring options that exist now that they look like Legos. You can just snap them and look like hardwood flooring, but they're so much more effective for folks who are wheelchair users, folks who may have crutches, folks who, you know, don't have the same gait as they used to, but it's so overlooked. You know, folks will talk about grab bars, widening doorways, lowering kitchen sinks, rolling showers, but they don't ask the question, what's the best type of flooring for the actual bathroom that I'm, you know, modifying? Or what's the right flooring for a kitchen, right? And these are things that can be done in less than a day, right? When I talk to folks who carpenters are like, I could change the bathroom in 45 minutes. Like, I'm that we're good at that. So it's, I would say that's the one of the most under underappreciated modifications that I would recommend for anybody is, you know, look around your floor, see if there's an opportunity for it. And then, you know, you can look at, you know, you can actually type into support at rose.com. We can help you find someone to do the work. We can help you find the right product for it. It's pretty, you know, pretty straightforward for us. And we we love to do it for anybody. Amazing. Well, I'm so excited by what you're doing. I could talk, I could sit down with you for hours about this because it's something I'm also really passionate about. So like, Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for putting it out there and for mm-hmm. for using your expertise in the field to like change the game. I think it's really, really, it's not an easy thing because you're dealing with a lot of bug and red tape everywhere. But I like that you're like, fuck it, let's try. Let's try. Let's try. Like at this point in time, it's 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 needed. And I think that's that goes without saying. I think this podcast is definitely articulate that. So for us, it's let's do something about it. Let's be about it. Um and then be about it in a, in a grand way. So I think for us, as we launch this, I mean, not ask anybody if you find me at all, and, you know, whatever social eradicates may be, let me know where this else is needed so we can think about that city as well beyond just major cities over time. Yeah, I mean, if you're disabled and you want to you want to talk to Cameron or anyone else at the Rose Center, like I, like I spent an hour with him four weeks ago and we just shot the shit about all the things. And it was really, what I love about the brand is that you guys sat with me and just listened to how to make it better what do we do how do we fix it like most people when we talk about accessibility they don't do that they're like okay we're gonna put like we're gonna do some basic fix and then you're done you like mm-hmm. we're like no what do, how does this work what do you need and i think having a company that's willing to listen to disabled people about home renovations like where the fuck has that been ever <laughs> like i mean to keep it 100 right and i think to us we we know that this is like a, a small tangent, but I remember talking to a few folks there. Yeah, you know your ideas, your ideas neat. I just don't know if the demand's there. And I was like, you you don't think there's people who need this? Like, well, just not at scale. I just don't. I just don't really see that. And I remember coming back to them a month later with a list of about 400 people we had talked to in a month, and then a wait list of folks to talk to later on. They were like, holy shit. And I was like, yeah, this is. These are all cold emails. So if we ever marketed this out, I think this list could be 10, 100x that. And they're like, well, okay, maybe I was wrong. And I think a lot of folks just have this limited perspective of their own bubble. And I think the yeah, bubble has to get smaller. Because they're not disabled. They don't, 
they don't it's, it doesn't affect them but the minute you tore your achilles you knew you were like oh fuck well, I was like, that. this is a terrible design of home. I'm like, why do I even live here? Like, why is my base? Like, I was so disappointed just in myself. After that, I had stairs to go up into my home. I had stairs to get down to my washroom. I was like, Cameron, be better, be better. Yeah. So now I live in single floors, homes, all the, you know, that's that's my thing or, or condos. But it's like, I, I think of it in the landscape of, there are a lot of folks out there who are in my same situation, who are, who are still in my same situation. And, and for us, it's to find those folks. It's to find those individuals to your point, listen and say, how can I best serve you? How can I best serve you today in five years, in 10 years? And it's important that as we build this business, that it's not only sustainable for that reason, it's sustainable because the market is so untapped because to your point, folks just haven't been building or tailoring solutions for this community. Yeah. And not only do we want to, we're, we're excited about doing that. Like we're pumped about the ability to, you know, listen, to learn, to, to help grow, somebody, to develop. To help, to help. Just help somebody. Like yeah. I think- we need more people like you in the disability space, period. Like sure. whether we're talking about home renovations, whether we're talking about like going on a cruise, whether we're talking about like traveling the world, which fucking we should. HGTV, get on it. Call us. Like, let's go. Let's, let's go. But like, I would I would watch it too. <laughs> but like, you know, we need people who are like, I just want to try. And I think what I like about you being a non-disabled person, while you have experience in the space, I think we need more non-disabled people to be like, I don't know, I don't know everything, but I want to try. Let me help. Mm-hmm. Let me see what I can do. And that's mm-hmm. what I really appreciate about your brand is that you, while you're not, while you're both not disabled people, you have experience of disability in both your stories. You mm-hmm. and Joseph, right? Yeah. Yeah, um, Joseph. Yep. So you have both both that in your story, but also you like understand that you don't know everything and you want to just help. And I mm-hmm. think you're a good example for non-disabled folks who are like, what can I do? How do I help? Well, look. This is one of the ways to do it. Start up a website that isn't super complicated and just see what happens. See what happens. Yeah, put it on the world and, and make sure that you build it in a patient-centered way where you say, as an end user, is this the right order? As an end user, is this the right steps? Is this the right wording? And, you know, even in the conversation we had, we're acting about the, the font type and the color scheme and really being mindful of all those. And again, use the phrase little big things because it matters. And we don't want to lose sight of that even as we grow. Like we'll still, we still talk to consumers. We still talk to folks. I think I probably spend two to three hours a day just talking to people, listening to people, you know, and it's not a marketing call. It's literally just a research call to say, we thought of it this way. This is what it looks like. This is how we're approaching it. Um, Does this resonate? Are we missing anything? And, And it seems, like I said, it seems very arduous, but it's the right way to go about it because at the end of the day, yeah. You know, it's important to be as inclusive as possible with your design of your technology. Like so valuable. So the the I have one last question that I want to ask mm-hmm. before we hang up because it's my brand and I, I think it's a good one. So I think this is really great for homes. And I think mm-hmm. this is really great for like every home. And I think a lot of non-disabled people have disabled friends or maybe they're hooking up with a hot disabled person, cough, cough, like me. Um, you, maybe, you know, so like, I think this brand could also reach out to like, the everyday person's home, even if they're not living with a disability, you could be like, how do we make your home accessible so that if your friend in a wheelchair wants to come over, you can do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The the phrase that we would use is visitability. Can anybody visit your home? And this is a consideration that we're now really, we're starting not with just non-disabled folks. We're really looking at multi-generational households. 
So folks who, you know, maybe be a non-disabled individual, but their parent is not moving into the home, yeah. sibling, um, and really having that conversation and really being empathetic. Really right now, that's the main research that I'm doing is talking to folks who are, the phrase you may hear is the sandwich generation. So folks in their 40s, early 50s are now taking care of their parent in their 70s, 80s, and 90s. And we'll ask them, you know, in your home, how are you approaching this? How do you think about this? And, you know, really helping them understand what are their options, not only for affordability, but their options on different types of technologies, different types of modifications. And I think the one piece that folks have really been receptive to is it's not that expensive. It's not, we're not talking about $300,000 modification to your apartment. We're talking three grand. But if you don't have the right labor force to support you with that, you're going to be limited in that experience. And I think as folks, not only in the disability community, but folks who are not disabled to have that conversation, really think through, okay, what is my home? What is my apartment? What is my condo? What is my whatever it look like in the next few months? We want Rose to be that, you know, not only that brand, but that resource for them to say, okay, how do I even get inspired? I want to just look at stuff. And that's something we're really making sure that we build for as well, which is the, the phrase we use is client inspiration or client awareness of what's available beyond just how can I pay for it? who's the labor source. It's like, what are the different ways I can do a, 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 you know, a bariatric threshold ramp in my garage or what's the best way to do like accessible, you know, cupboards and things like that. And yeah. as we look into that, we want to make sure that that's not only available, but it's useful. And that's something we're really excited about as well as we add that to the platform in time. I mean, I think there's so many possibilities here. And I, again, I could sit down with you for like three more hours. It's such a cool <laughs> idea. Um, but I want to make sure people in the U S especially where this is based right now, can mm-hmm. get a hold of you and can start looking you up and mm-hmm. how, so how do how can the people reach you so there's there's say three ways to reach me so the website itself is accessrose.com so a c c e s s r o s t.com you go on right now there's, there's likely going to just be a blog with a bunch of t- content a bunch of insights and then we're going to actually morph over that url to the actual website when it's live the other option is uh, support at accessrose.com. If you were to say, hey, I want to have, have a conversation, here's a particular city you should think about coming into, that goes directly to me. So the reason why you support is because we want to make sure we support others. And then my Twitter account is uh, cam.carter. So C-A-M-D-O-T-C-A-R-T-E-R. Uh, inside of my DMs, I respond. Um, I'm pretty active, more of a lurker, but um, if you ever have a question or anything else, definitely reach out. Um, so yeah, so cam.carter on Twitter. Uh, support at accessrose.com as far as the email goes and the actual site itself is accessrose.com and um, we're excited about it and I think for us you know we want to make sure we build a community so do not be afraid I'll you know I'm not someone who bites I'm not someone who's you know, like awkward about it definitely reach out you know I love to learn love to you know sit down with anybody and if we're releasing this on May the 7th then you you're hoping for it to go live in, in a couple of weeks right yeah, our goal is, you know, when this when you hear our voice, like you'd be able to go on Access Rose and won't be a blog. It'll be a whole product um, that we're really pumped about. And I think for us, it's it's making sure we get it right. And I think that's one thing we're really sensitive about. And, um, we're, we're just excited about what's coming. Like we're just, yeah, <laughs> that's all I could really say. Like we have a lot in store. And I think as folks start to engage with the product and then over time, I mean, we have sort of this like spin cycle that we're adding features every month to really make sure that we remove those friction points that folks have, unfortunately been you know accustomed to we want to make sure we remove those as best as possible nice I, I can't speak highly enough about what you're trying to do i think it's so cool and so necessary and so fucking overdue so i'm really glad you're doing it and thank you so much for putting yourself in the space and thank you so much for being here today andrew thank you so much for the time uh enjoy this conversation this is one of the you know the fun ones i've had for a very long time with anybody so again thank you so much as a fan thank you so much for being on the you know allowing me to be on the podcast and share space with you and Thank you again. 
Thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Bye. All right, friends, that's another episode of Disability After Dark in the books for you. Thank you so much for being here. If you want to follow my work, you can head over to Instagram and Twitter, and I'm at itsgurza, I-T-S-G-U-R-Z-A on Instagram and Twitter. You can follow me there. You can also head over to my website, www.andrewgurza.com, to book me for talks and to book me for cool things or to just send me a note about stuff you want to talk to me about or you can follow the patreon for disability after dark by going to patreon.com slash disability after dark and pledging as little as one dollar a month or five dollars a month to get the show completely ad free and one day early on the patreon feed so if that works for you we would appreciate that of course, you can also write into the show at disabilityafterdarkpod at gmail.com. Let us know your show ideas, your questions, your comments, your guest ideas, stuff like that. I'd love to hear from you. This show is for you, so I would definitely love to hear from you. Thank you so much for keeping a bright light shining on disability stories, and we'll be back next week with a brand new one. Thanks so much, friends. Bye. Copyright Notice Disability After Dark was created, recorded, and produced by Cripple & Co. Productions and Andrew Gerza. Any and all use of materials, graphics, audio recordings, etc. cannot be used or distributed without express permission. If you would like to use an episode of the podcast or license an episode of the podcast on your website, Please consider emailing Andrew Gerza and Crippling Co. Productions at disabilityafterdarkpod at gmail.com. Copyright 2022.